Good morning. It's good to see each of you here. And as I was just reminded in one of the Sunday school classes, please take time to fill out the registration attendance pad. It's found somewhere on that pew. And make sure it goes back and forth from one end to the other. I want to remind you as I welcome you here today that wonderful Wednesdays continue this Wednesday for our children. And if you haven't been part of it or you, you need to come in and be part of it, you don't have to have been there every Wednesday to enjoy it. If you have any questions, see Katie. Also a reminder that next Saturday from 8.30 to 11.30 is a vision session number two led by our district congregational specialist. We'll continue the conversation that was started about the future plans for the church. If you were there last time, I hope you'll come back. And if you did not attend, if you'd like to come, come and be part of the conversation. That's 8.30, 11.30 in the social hall this coming Saturday. I'm glad to be back with you. I we have for years tried to take July the 4th vacation when we could. Uh, and that usually works out except when you move, so we didn't go last year. But the um, for years and years and years, it's almost a joke in our family that when we go on July the 4th, wherever we go, it rains, and it rains, and it rains. And so it was with this July the 4th. But you know, if you remember what I preached to you the Sunday before I left was to God, when you go on vacation, make sure you take some time to be silent and listen to God. Well, let me tell you, God must have thought I needed to do a lot of listening because he kept me indoors almost the entire week uh, because of the rain. But we did get a lot of rest. And uh, as uh, I, was I was telling uh, Doc uh, a while ago that, the, uh, that this morning when that 6 o'clock clock alarm went off, I'll be honest with you, I was like, what? i got to get up this morning at 6? <laughs> Having not gotten up at 6 for several days. But I am glad to be with you this morning. And we look forward to our worship together. I want to also remind you that today at 4 o'clock there is a memorial service for Judy Gregg, uh, Sherry Williams' mother, here in the sanctuary. Let us begin our worship together. pray together. Give us, O Lord, our God, understanding to know you, diligence to seek you, wisdom to find you, and a faithfulness that may finally embrace you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. 
Let us join together in our affirmation of faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and a life everlasting. Amen. to her parents and anyone else who'd like to stand with her. And uh, I need at least one of you act like, Ellie, you want to come up and hold my, at the proper time, I'll need you to hold this liturgy for me, okay? So if you'll just stand right here for now. Here is her baptismal certificate, okay? And if you will pull your insert out of the uh, bulletin. The baptismal covenant. The church is of God and will be preserved to the end of time for the conduct of worship and the due ministration of God's word and sacraments, the maintenance of Christian fellowship and discipline, the edification of believers, and the conversion of the world. All of every age and station stand in need of the means of grace which it alone supplies. Baptism is an outward and visible sign of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ through which grace we become partakers of His righteousness and heirs of life eternal. Those receiving this sacrament are thereby marked as a Christian disciple and you're initiated into the fellowship of Christ's holy church. So since you can answer for yourself, I'm going to ask you some questions, okay? Do you reject all that is evil, repent of your sin, accept the freedom and power that God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression, in whatever forms they present themselves. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ is open to people of all nations, ages, and races? Do you receive and profess the Christian faith as contained in the Scriptures of the Old and New Testament? Do you promise, according to the grace that God has given you, to keep His will and commandments and walk in the same all the days of your life as a faithful member of Christ's holy church? Sarah, do you desire to be baptized in this faith? Okay. Let's pray over the water. Eternal Father, Your mighty acts of salvation have been made known through water. And from the moving of your spirit upon the waters of creation to the deliverance of your people through the flood and through the Red Sea, in the fullness of time you sent Jesus nurtured in the water of a womb, baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. Jesus called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. O oh God, pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and she who receives it to wash away her sin and clothe her in righteousness throughout her life that dying and being raised with Christ, she may share in his final victory through the same Jesus Christ our Lord. If you hold down where I can see it, if you'll kneel right there.
Sarah Elise Coberson. I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Holy Spirit work within you that being born through water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Those who have been baptized in Christ's holy church are welcomed into this congregation of the United Methodist Church. I wish y'all could see what sweet smile she just had. <laughs> Members of the household of God, I commend this person to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase her faith, confirm her hope, and perfect her in love. Let the congregation respond. Let us pray. O oh God, our Heavenly Father, grant that this person, Sarah, before us grow in grace and in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that by the restraining and renewing influence of the Holy Spirit, she may serve thee faithfully all her days. So guide and uphold her by loving care, wise counsel, and holy example, that she may be led into that life of faith whose strength is righteousness and whose faith is everlasting joy and peace. We pray through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, come here. May God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit bless, preserve, and keep you, Sarah, now and forevermore. Amen. Congratulations. <laughs> Let's welcome children come forth in the children's time. Congratulations. Well, today we're going to talk about a good Samaritan. Do you know what a good Samaritan is? Yeah, the actual definition, I had to look it up so I could be proper. The actual definition is a compassionate person who unselfishly helps others. So do you know anybody like that? Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, God. Who else? But like maybe somebody here or maybe somebody at your school or do you know anybody like that? Nobody knows anybody like that? <laughs> well, maybe I thought about uh, maybe your Sunday school teachers because they aren't actually paid to come teach you. They come do it because they want you to learn, right? Yeah, that might, that's unselfish, right? They're not, that's very unselfish act. Um, my granny, who is no longer with us, that's my dad's mom, she used to 
she loved to cook. And um, I didn't quite get that gene, but she loved it. So she, um, and when you went to her house, she would make all different kinds of, of potatoes. Like if you liked uh, baked potatoes and you like mashed potatoes and you like, um, um, what's the other kind? What other kind do you think? Oh, gratin potatoes. She would make all three kinds. For, for, so everybody would have their favorite. So I thought that was pretty unselfish because she would take her time to make sure that you had exactly what you wanted to eat. Don't you think that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good example, right? Oh, it's so hard. All right, so let's think, let's, there's an example of a good Samaritan in the Bible. So you guys want to hear that story? Okay, it's a pretty good one. Okay, this is kind of a synopsis of it. I did, I'm not going to read it word for word. One day, this is out of Luke, okay, chapter 10. One day a lawyer asked Jesus what he had to do to have eternal life. Do you know what eternal life is? Forever and ever and ever, right. When Jesus asked him what the Bible said, the lawyer answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus answered, You're right. Do this and you will live eternally. Then the lawyer wanted to justify himself. He asked Jesus another question. Well, who is my neighbor? And to answer this question, Jesus told a story about a man who was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They heard him and they took his money and his clothes and everything and they just left him there on the road. A priest came by and when he saw the man, what do you think he did? He did. He crossed over to the other side of the road so that he could avoid him. A little while later, a Levite came, who worked in the temple came along, and what do you think he did? He kept going too. He didn't stop and help. And finally, a man from Samaria came along, and when he saw the man, he stopped to help him. He put medicine on his wounds. Does anybody ever do that for you when you hurt yourself? Yeah, he put medicine on there or a Band-Aid on there, wrapped him with bandages, and that wasn't all. He took the man to an inn or a hotel and took care of him there. The next day, he gave the innkeeper some money and told him to take care of the man until he felt better. He said, give him anything he needs. If it costs more than I've given you, well, I will pay you the next time I'm here. Then Jesus asked, which of these three men was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the robbers? Which one do you think was the neighbor? Yeah, yeah, the one that helped him, right? The one from Samaria. You're right, Jesus said. Now you go and you do the same thing. So you think we could do that? What do you think would be a good idea? How, would we, how could we help somebody? <clears throat> how could we be good Samaritans? What do you think? Yeah, they fall down, or somebody maybe, um, if your brother or sister maybe needs some help, right? Or your grandmother, your mother, somebody like that, maybe if they need you to help wash the dishes. It's awful, isn't it? But you might have to help with that. That would be good, right? Yeah, clean up your room, make your bed, those kind of things. Maybe help your brother make up his bed. What do you think, Julia? Maybe. <laughs> she said she might do it. <laughs> okay. Jesus has told us to love our neighbor. If you have trouble knowing who your neighbor is, just remember, the story of the Good Samaritan tells us that you will know that every person is your neighbor. Okay, so we need to help everybody. Can you guys pray with me? Can you pray with me? All right, bow your heads, close your eyes. You ready? Dear Father, help us to love you with all our hearts and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Amen. Our first scripture lesson is from Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, 
Grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful member, faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom, he, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us bow our heads. O oh God, in your mercy, hear the prayers of these thy people. Almighty God, most high above all heaven and earth, you have set your righteousness amongst us, in the midst of us, and you've laid up for us hope in heaven and strengthening us with your power. And we come before you humbly to offer our petitions and our prayers and our thanksgiving and our confession. We confess we have received your gracious love, but we have not shown our true thankfulness. We're called to love you with our whole heart and mind and soul and strength, and yet we withhold our total commitment to you. You have called us to love our neighbors as ourselves, but we can't decide who we want to call a neighbor. And sometimes we just leave our responsibilities to others while we claim to be too busy. But you, O oh Lord, do not discriminate in your mercy. And we pray this day and ask for your mercy again as you forgive our selfish ways. That you would blot out our sin and give us new sight that we might see neighbors where now we see only strangers. In the power of your spirit, your chosen ones have gone into the world to speak your holy word. Take us from our daily task and equip us with that same spirit. Fill us with knowledge and send us out to proclaim the message of salvation and hope that it might bear fruit in every good work. It is easy for us to imagine a person found beaten by the side of the road as in need. But open our eyes that we might also be aware of all who are beaten by less visible things, which also destroy life. Lead us to works of mercy for those who are hungry and weak. Visit those who are in distress with illness of the mind. Bind up the wounds of those who suffer in the body. Bring light to those who live in darkness of spirit. Love into wholeness those who are dying. And give joy to those who mourn. We lift up this day each one that we know of on our prayer list. And all those who 
or in, the, in our silence of our hearts as we pray for them now. We pray, O oh God, that you would answer these prayers. Answer them with what's best and help us to accept it. We offer these prayers in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue our worship with our giving. Let our ushers come forward this time to receive our tithes and our offerings.
Our gospel lesson today comes from Luke's gospel, uh, chapter 10, beginning at verse 25. Give attention to this reading of God's Word. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? And the man answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But the man wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, Well, who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus told this story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell in the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan... And for those of you who don't know, the Samaritans were the enemies of the people of Judea, Jews. Often considered sinners because they worshipped in a different way. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, he bandaged his wounds, he poured on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. And he said, look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have had. Now Jesus has concluded his story and he turns back to the man who questioned him and he says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor? Which of these was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. The one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the day. You've, got, you've drawn us here by your Holy Spirit to worship you. And we, we praise your name. We thank you for the scriptures to guide us and teach us. And may the Holy Spirit now help us to see who is our neighbor and how we can be a neighbor to others. We pray in your name. Amen. You know, this question, it gets turned around by Jesus, if you notice that. It gets turned around right off the bat. To whom must I be a neighbor? Not who is my neighbor, but whom am, who, to whom must I be a neighbor? Who is it that I am to love? Just as I love myself and my own family, who is it that I am to show mercy to? Uh, it has been suggested by some commentators that the lawyer's really asking Jesus, who is it that I'm allowed to ignore or to neglect? Who can I get away with not loving? And Jesus uses an example of someone who is often held up in society as someone we don't love and we can get away with not showing mercy to the Samaritans. You know, it's interesting when you think about this because most of us, when we start thinking about this, we think in these terms. We think, well, you know, there's people who've broken God's law in the most horrible ways. Surely, those folks are not our neighbors. Surely, those who live outside the law of God live outside of the law that says we should love them. See, I think this was some of the reason that lay behind the question. And if you think about it, that's exactly how we act most of the time. We, we focus our attention, our time, our love upon people we know already or people that live near us or who might be related to us. And we ignore, neglect, or slight those that we don't know, those who might, we might think are not worthy of, us, of our attention. I know I've done it, and if I've done it, I know you've done it. 
And I know that in almost every place that I've ever lived, there has been a, a resentment towards certain people who happen to be different from us. And depending on where I, I've lived, it's a whole list of different characters, I can tell you. The list of the unworthy at times seems endless. The, the list that we conjure up in our own minds about those who maybe don't deserve our love or at least not as much love as we might give to others, this list can grow exponentially as we think in terms of people that way. Well, they live over there on the wrong side of the tracks. So oh, they live, they're, they're from up north or they're from down south. But they're, you know, they just don't have the right bringing up. They, you know, they're questionable things in their family. Da, 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 da. Seek to justify ourselves so that we can treat some good and some bad. And that's exactly what was going on this day by this teacher of the law. And so Jesus turns it back upon the questioner when he tells the story. And when he answers, when he asks the question, who was the neighbor, who was a neighbor to the man, which of the three was a neighbor to the man, he puts the focus on our own action and he also changes it to something that make, makes it not a passive act, but a proactive act, one where we must be proactive. If we are to follow this scripture and to listen to Christ Jesus, who tells us this is a path to eternal life, we have to be proactive about this. We can't just say, well, that's all right, to, you know, we'll, we don't really hate those folks, but we're not going to do anything to help them either. Because God is asking us to be proactive in living the same way God has lived towards us. And that is seeing us as someone to show mercy to. That has, God has done that for each one of us. God has shown us mercy. And all God ever wants is for us to imitate His good behavior. So the question changed from what must I do to be a neighbor to whom must I become a neighbor? And it is not an easy answer, question to answer. It's not. Quite a few years ago, a study was done at Princeton University and they involved 40 students and they were given a manuscript and they were told that they need to take this manuscript to a certain place on the other side of campus. And they were told this. One third of them was told that they had plenty of time to get there. Had all the time in the world, just get there. The next third was told that they had to go immediately, otherwise there would not be enough time. And the final third was told, you're already late. <laughs> you, you are late when you started. So each student was given a designated path, a route to take to the place they were going. And along that route, unknown to the students, an actor had been placed who was to pretend to be in serious pain and obvious need of help. The results are very instructive. The main factor and whether or not the students stopped to help the man in pain was simply whether or not they had enough time. No, no, nothing else uh, played in their, in their decision. It was simply, did they have the time? Not uh, if, if it was going to cost them any money or anything like that. Did they have the time to help? Now what's instructive is out of the 40, only 16 stopped at all. That means that the other 24 passed the person by who's in obvious pain and in need of help. We're not really surprised about this, are we? We see the reports like this every day now, almost on the news. But of the 16 who stopped, this is, uh, I thought, very interesting. Of the 16 who stopped, 63% of those 16 were the students who had been told, you have all the time in the world to get to where you're going. So it seems that if what was paramount in their mind was this, we can only be a neighbor in regards to our time schedule. We can only be a neighbor in regards to our time schedule. 
You know, unfortunately, the culture of the world in some very bad ways has, uh, has changed the way people think about things, and I think this is a good example of it. Um, if, unless it is convenient, unless I can find time in my calendar, unless I can find the time in my day planner or whatever scheduler, however you use it, I really can't be compassionate or merciful to anybody. I just don't have time. You, you, you got, you're having surgery at the hospital? I, I, you know, let me look. No, I'm sorry, I just don't have time. I can't, I can't be there. Somebody died, you need a funeral? Sorry, just don't have time to do it. Just don't have time, sorry. You know, y'all would all, you would all go, man, what kind of preacher we have if I answered that way, wouldn't you? But here is an example, a real life example of the way people act as to whether or not they recognize that they have an opportunity to be a neighbor to somebody. I think it's important in this scripture for us to be reminded of the original question. The original question was, what must I do? Jesus, what must I do? to inherit eternal life. I think it's instructive that Jesus gave the man a couple of answers. The same answers he gives us. What are our priorities? Do we have time to love God with our mind, body, and soul and all our strength? Do we make time to do that? And then do we take time to actually see other people? And love them and show mercy to them just like we expect God to love us and show us mercy? What keeps us from recognizing others as our neighbors and actually acting upon that premise? Why are we so slow to extend mercy to others? We're all guilty of this. You know, you know I think it's, it's important if we just look at this parable in this terms of what we do. You know, the Apostle Paul talked about work out your salvation with fear and trembling. How are we working out our salvation in our actions? How are we responding to what God has told us to do and to be his disciples? And do we take the time to do it? Do we take the time and do we categorize things in such a way that they're really important or not important in God's view? in an eternal view. Because you know, the thing is, God sends to us people every day for us to love, to show mercy to. These people might be our business associates, they may be our school members, schoolmates, they, they might be just simply people we run into. And you know what? I'll be the first to tell you, it's not always easy to love these folks that God puts in front of you. Sometimes they're just contrary people that God puts in front of you. Isn't that the truth? Sometimes these people, you look at them and you go, why didn't you make some better decisions in life? You look where you're at and you're there, because, not because I did this, because you made the wrong decisions. And yet God has put that, those people in your life in front of you to love or not to love, to show mercy or not to show mercy to. And I'll, I'll, be, I'll honestly be with you, tell you the truth, that I have many times felt like I wanted to ignore certain people. I wanted to be angry at certain folks and groups of folks. And I wanted to feel good about my anger and be self-righteous and think that, you know, I know I'm right and I don't care if they go to you know where. Because they don't act like my neighbors or anybody else's neighbor. And I don't know why I have to show love to them. And my friends, that is the way of the world. And that is the way of most of the world. But here's the rub. We're not of the world. No, we're not of the world. I'm here to remind you of the good news that you're a citizen, not of Greer, or Greenville, or Spartanburg County, or state of South Carolina, or United States of America, or the planet Earth. You are a citizen of heaven. You're not of this world. You are born of God. You're born in the Spirit of God. You have the Spirit of Christ within you, the Holy Spirit. And we are called, whether we like it or not, to live differently, to think differently, to do differently. And we're called to be neighbors to those who are not our neighbors, 
to love those who do not necessarily love us, to give to, to, give to, to others who may not ever give anything back to us. And we, and we do this because we're working out our salvation in fear and trembling and what God told us to do. And when you ask that question of the Lord Jesus Christ, he might just give you the answer. And that's what happened that day. The guy said, well, who am I supposed to be a neighbor to or, or who can I get away with not being a neighbor to, Lord? And the Lord says, well, let me tell you a story. All those people, the religious, the priests, the Levites, all who you expected to do the right thing, all those you expect will be in heaven, guess what? You know the one that I'm lifting up today to you, my friends? The Lord says, I'm lifting up this Samaritan guy. You know, the one that everyone calls a sinner, the one who is outcast, the one who's discriminated against, that's the one I'm holding up because you know what? He was a neighbor. He lived out his faith. On the way out of the 9 o'clock service, a, uh, a person who attends there regularly come up to me and she says, I really needed to hear that because I was sure hating a whole bunch of people today. <laughs> and I said, I have to preach it to myself every day. You see, friends, you just don't get it one time and keep it. you got to constantly, every day, renew your strength in the Lord. Renew what you know is right. And don't let things, especially don't let something like time, be a factor. But listen to the words of wisdom that the Lord Jesus gave that man who was wanting inherit, to inherit eternal life, who wanted to live forever, who wanted to be with God. Okay? Listen to what the Lord said to him. These are words of wisdom. Hear them one more time. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor just the way you love yourself. And go and do likewise. Don't forget those words. Because right there they are at the end of that scripture passage. Go and do likewise. That's the key. To inheriting the things that disciples are to inherit. Go and do likewise. May God bless all this to your understanding. And may we all pray for each other and uphold each other as we seek to live the way Christ wants us to live. It is not easy. That is why the scripture says that in the last days, people will not want teachers that tell them the truth. They'll want teachers that tell them whatever they want to hear because it's so hard. Friends, is hard. I had a member one time, and I'm wrapping up if you want to grab your hymnals and get ready, page 504. I had a member one time after I preached a similar type sermon come up to me in a church, and he says, Preacher, he says, it sounds to me like that you'd let everybody into heaven. I said, and I'm going to say his name. I'm not going to say his last name. I said, T.E.? Aren't you glad that God's going to let you into heaven? He looked at me kind of funny. He said, yeah. I said, then why wouldn't you be glad that he's going to let your son into heaven? And his son had been in trouble with the law. Or your granddaughter in heaven? Or your friend over there in heaven? Or that person that sits beside of you in a pew that you and I both know has a, has a terrible addiction problem. I said, how come you don't care that that person might not have a shot at heaven? That's what you're saying to me. Why would you not want? Why would any of us not want all of us to be in heaven someday? We have a responsibility to help each other get there. To live the way we're supposed to live. Go and do likewise. Amen.
Jesus loves you and me. And go forth and love all those that come before you. Know that Father and Son and Holy Spirit are beside you and with you and bless you in your effort. Amen. Thank you.